Welcome to Growing Your Team, a podcast designed for small business owners seeking to grow their company with the help of employees and contractors. Your time is limited, which means growing and leveraging teams is essential for business success. The Growing Your Team podcast is the place to learn tips and techniques designed to help you know when it's the right time to hire, how to select perfect fit team members, and how to maximize productivity while creating a positive work environment. Drawing from her 10 plus years of leadership and hiring experience, here is your host, Jamie Van Kuyk. Hello, Jamie Van Kuyk here, and welcome back to the Growing Your Team podcast. Today, I have on guest Kristen Westcott. Kristen is a business growth and systems strategist who has spent the last decade in the legal and educational fields supporting leaders and students in the areas of goal setting, productivity, and project management. After recognizing her true passion lies in serving entrepreneurs, Kristen honed her skills as a director of operations. She quickly noticed that what was holding many business owners back wasn't a lack of drive or ability, but a lack of foundational systems that could support the day-to-day operations of a scaling business. These days, she spends her time helping online coaches, copywriters, and course creators scale without the frustration that massive growth often brings. Today, Kristen and I are talking about systems and processes and how to grow with them and use them as your business and team continues to grow. We also dive a little bit into the difference between a one-to-one and a one-to-many system where you're serving your customers and clients if you're service-based, and how to know which one's right for you and how to make the transition without overwhelming your workload. So let's jump into the conversation. Hi, Kristen. Thank you so much for joining us on the Growing Your Team podcast. I am so excited to be here today, Jamie. Thank you for having me. Yeah, you're welcome. Can you kick us off with telling everybody about you and your business? Absolutely. So my name is Kristen Westcott. I am an operations consultant who works with online entrepreneurs who are kind of in that middle space. So they've crossed six figures or they're almost there. Um, You know, they might have a virtual assistant or they might be doing things all on their own, but what they're doing is they're kind of really struggling to get to that next level, right? They are needing to create systems and processes and strategy in order to be able to keep themselves focused on those right things in their business. So, because they're not quite ready to outsource everything just yet, right? Um, They find themselves kind of strapped in this, like, oh my goodness, things are going great. I have clients coming in. This is fantastic. Things are working, but oh my gosh, there's so much to do behind the scenes. Um, And a lot of times they're so caught up in that day-to-day that they feel like they can't kind of get out of that cycle. Um, And so I talk with them a lot of times about the things we can do to kind of prepare themselves, how they can kind of focus in to control that chaos and really become streamlined business owners so that we can carve out space for them to create the systems and processes they need to start hiring the people to support them in their growth. But often they can't even see that step yet because they're so 
caught up in that day to day. And so one of my favorite ways to do this with them is to really kind of do this in like a VIP day structure where we can, I could get them to promise me one day of their time. And we kind of get in there solving some of those bigger problems so that they can really start implementing it immediately. Um, Cause that's the only way they're going to be able to grow. Right? No, exactly. It's, it's one of those things that's like, you're going and you're growing a business. And as I always say, like what happens is we keep putting more and more on our plate as we're, we're figuring things out. We are maybe adding like new revenue streams or just like we're getting more and more clients, but more and more gets put on our plate. And then we reach a point where, okay, I was able to do it all. Now I can't, what's going on? How do I do things better? Especially if you want to keep growing your revenue, because it's what got you here is not going to get you there. You need to change things. You need to get systems, get processes, especially then when you're going to start handing things off, because if you don't have your processes in place, if you don't have good systems, it's going to be chaos when you start to hire. Yes, absolutely. And I've, I've worked with a few people that are like, I've tried hiring before and it just doesn't work out. Like the VA is just not good. And I'm like, well, I'm like, well, there could be a couple of things there. Perhaps you didn't have a good hiring process and maybe you did hire the wrong person. What I'm seeing is that they don't know what to hand off. And, you know, as, as skilled as your assistant might be, mind reading is not one of those skills that they have. And so unless you unless you know what you're going to give them and they know what you expect, it's, it's going to be a challenge for you to work together. Um, and there's going to be a lot, uh, I'm going to say the transition period is not going to be very nice. We'll just say, right. It's one of those things where you can hire someone to help you figure all this out, but it's not always the same person who's going to execute the work and you need to know what you're getting into. Are you hiring someone to help you figure everything out or are you hiring someone to execute the work or are you trying to hire someone who does both and depending on what you need makes a difference of who you go and source when you go to hire someone, who you select. Because like you said, if you hire the wrong person, they might not have the capability to do what you what actually needs to be done first. Yeah, absolutely. And most people, when I ask them what they do on a day-to-day or a week-to-week, they have no idea. And so one of the things I get them to do, and I get a lot of resistance from this, but is to track time. And really it's just, you set a timer every 30 minutes or an hour, depending on what type of job you do. Right. And you sit down and you literally record what you did in that 30 minutes of that hour so that you know what you're spending your day doing. So you know who you need to bring in. Like you are saying, do you need someone to help you just execute on a couple of tasks? Do you need someone who's going to be able to organize or systematize your content creation or whatever that is for your business? If you don't know where you're spending your time, you're not going to know who you need to hire first or second or third. Right. And for anyone listening and you're like, oh my gosh, I feel so kind of like overwhelmed with this. Just know like what Kristen's talking about is not necessarily always just a small business problem. This is just sometimes we get so much into the day-to-day just doing that we never take the time to really figure out what exactly is it that I do? How do I explain it to someone else? I've worked on a few projects that have been with some slightly larger companies around succession planning. And when people are getting closer to that, like retirement age, or they're seeing that this person's eventually going to move up, how this person's now been in this role for years, how do we get the right things, like really define what this role is so we can hire the right person and prepare the next next person to come in. 
and even speaking to these people who've been operating these roles for years, they're highly successful. They've been doing a lot. Sometimes they have a hard time really articulating what it is they're doing because they just do. That's all they know is they do and they achieve results. Most of us never take the time to figure out what exactly is it that I do? What process do I follow? Because for us, it becomes second nature. Yeah. It's almost subconscious at that point, once you've been doing it. And when you're really good at something, you aren't having to think through the steps. It just becomes like part of that zone of genius. Right. And so that's, I mean, that's a great point, Jamie, that the people I deal with aren't often thinking about succession because they're like, they're just trying to get it all together. And they're just (laughs) trying to hire their first couple of people. But you're right. If you have someone who's been in that position and grown with your business or your company for a while, like thinking about, what happens if they move on? Maybe, you know, they want early retirement or move across the country or something like that. Like, what does that look like? Because we, we all are resistant to documenting our processes. Even I don't like doing it as a systems person, but I know the importance of it. And so that person who's been doing that thing in your business for like three, four years has probably shifted away from the initial way that you guys put that process together. And if you don't update that, you're going to be in the same position you were when you first hired them. Yeah. And like, let's look at it this way. When you hired that person three, four years ago, your business was probably in a completely different state. So there, even if it was little by little and you guys aren't fully realizing it, their role has evolved into something different than what you hired them for. So it could very well be like going back and thinking of the hiring that uh, job posting that you used before might not even be relevant because the role has changed. <laughs> Yeah. And, and it should part of the, the, the problem I deal with, with online business owners is that is why they don't have time because even as their business has grown and shifted, they're still hanging on to the things that they did two or three years ago when they first started. And it's like, well, your business has shifted. Your clientele has shifted. Your offerings have shifted. What you're doing in the back end also needs to shift. You can let go of right. some of these marketing strategies. You can let go of some of these other lower offers that maybe aren't your, you know, performing as well for you. They aren't your biggest profit sweet spot. Like it's okay to let go of them just because you started a course or a group program or something a couple years ago, doesn't mean you have to keep running. Like as you evolve, all of these things should evolve with you. And that will clear up some space off your plate for you to really focus on this new direction and and who you need to support you in that part of your growth. Let's dive into that a little bit more. So you have someone, they're at this point in their business, they're trying to figure out how do I make things better? How do I get things organized, processes in place so I can grow? How do you help them figure out what they should be letting go of? Yeah, I mean, okay, so here's another four letter word people aren't gonna like, but data. <laughs> you need What's to be data tracking? in a small business. <laughs> So, I mean, it's always good to know, like, for instance, a lot of strategies when people first get started is they're networking in Facebook groups and they're posting on comments or um, like one of the Instagram strategies is to go and post on other people's accounts to hopefully bring followers over to what you're doing. And, And these are fantastic strategies when you're looking to get started and building your audience. But if you have consistent revenue coming in and getting new followers isn't a problem for you anymore because people are finding you through other means, maybe through referrals, maybe through podcasts, maybe through these other things you've added on. It's okay to drop that strategy. You don't need to continue to go out and have that 
outreach engagement piece if you have traffic sources coming from other ways. And so it's great to be measuring off the back end when you do a podcast, how many people click through that link and are getting on your list or are engaging with your website, right? Using your Google analytics to see how many new members did you have? Where did they come from? Was the biggest driver Instagram or was the biggest driver an external source? And when you know that, and you know, whether you do this monthly or quarterly, I recommend you at least sit down once a quarter and do this monthly would be my dream for everybody, but quarterly is a good place to start is to really look at what you've collected and see, oh my goodness, I'm putting all of this time into this particular thing. And I, my, most of my traffic is coming from somewhere else, right? It's like, we go back to that 80, 20 principle that we hear about all over the place, but it's true. A lot of times, 80% of your clients, 80% of your revenue is actually coming from 20% of your activities. And so if we can track the data, know what those activities are, then we can drop some of those other things and not feel guilty about all the quote unquote things we should be doing to build our business. Right. Right. I know for me on a personal side, there was a local chamber that I was a part of. And for the first year of my business, it was fantastic. Like I learned a lot about networking because the people in this organization were different than any organization that I'd ever been a part of where they were so open and accepting and they wanted to get to know me. They wanted to get to know my business, not to sell to me, but to really support each other and everything. So I finally learned like, as an introvert, how to be comfortable going into networking things. There's so many things I learned off this, this chamber. A lot of my business came from that chamber that first year. But then the second year that I was in it, cause the first year I was like, well, of course I'm going to renew. Like I gained so much from it. The second year that gain wasn't as much because I took what I learned from that chamber and then applied it to other business groups where more of my target audience was. So when I looked at everything, after that second year of being part of it, and it was like, should I renew again? The answer was no, because I wasn't getting the same return anymore and I was getting a better return elsewhere. So the time I was giving wasn't worth it anymore. But it was, it was hard to say goodbye because of the fact of everything it gave me my first year in business and the connections I made. But I needed to make that right move for my business and say no to something that was taking a lot of time because I was getting a better return elsewhere. Yeah. And I mean, if you apply that to all the strategies that you employ for marketing or outreach and really look at that, then you can carve out quite a bit of time in your week that can be put towards the strategy that is working for you. So I, I'm glad you talk about being an introvert and networking because I went to a few networking meetings locally before COVID. And I was just like, I just can't do this. This is just not working for me. This is just not happening. And as soon as the pandemic online networking. Now it's like one of my favorite things to do because as an introvert, I network so much better in a one-on-one -on -one setting. So when we get into a breakout room and I could talk to someone versus like a whole room of people and I have to go and join a crowd of three or four people talking. And I'm just like, oh my goodness, I don't know any of them. I'm just not going to go insert myself into this already ongoing conversation. But now finding this strategy works better for me. Even when we can go back to in-person networking, I won't I won't do it just because I've found something else that works so much better for my personality and what I love to do, which means the results I'm going to be getting off that are going to be a lot better than when I'm forcing myself into a situation that doesn't quite fit with my personality. Right. And let's talk about that. We met at an online networking event. It was part of a conference that we both attended the other week. We met and here you are now on the podcast and hopefully some of our great listeners are going to go and reach out to you. 
Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I just, I find a lot of us when we're in the online space, there's that pressure of what, again, what we should be doing, right? We, we follow a lot of different people online. We listen to a lot of different podcasts that give you different strategies. And then we try and go and implement them all because they're working. And it's true. They're working. Like every strategy out there works for a certain business owner, but it doesn't mean that that strategy is the right strategy for you. And I'm all for pushing yourself out of your comfort zone. Other, otherwise, Jamie, I would never be doing any kind of podcast or any kind of video <laughs> or marketing. So pushing yourself out of your comfort zone is, is important, but knowing which strategy is right for you is even more important. Instead of forcing yourself to do all of the other strategies that don't fit, like really carving out and just picking two or three and working on those and seeing your growth go from there will be, you'll be able to get much further ahead with much less time. <laughs> Right. Speaking of, I know one of the things that you help a lot of people with is with transitioning from like one to one services to one to many services. And I was actually just speaking with someone about this yesterday and said how the trap a lot of entrepreneurs fall into when they do that is they still keep so much on their plates. They think I'm going to switch these one to many services. It's a way for me to bring in more revenue, free up my time but they really don't free up their time. They just, they're just putting it in a different place. So do you have any tips or advice you can give for people that are transitioning to that one to many services, or maybe they already have, and they feel like they're drowning of how to make it. So you just don't keep filling your time and keep feeling overwhelmed, even though you changed your product offering. Yeah. So let's start with the people who haven't done it yet. Cause okay. uh, then, then I'll good. tackle the people that are already in the midst of it. So if you haven't done it yet, then this is something you need to plan for, which is why I am a huge proponent of quarterly planning, because if you know, like, oh my goodness, this isn't working for me anymore. I really need to switch to a leveraged model. You need to plan for that because there's going to be a little bit of a dip in your revenue as you're making that transition. And so if you can plan for that over three months and start to put aside some of your revenue into an operating expenses account, then when you have a small dip in your revenue, maybe for four weeks, maybe for six weeks, you have some reserves to cover your business expenses. So you're not feeling panicked. We're making that transition to the leveraged model. People are afraid to let go of their current clients. And so that means then not only are you serving the clients you were serving when you were already maxed out, now you're trying to do something else, something more and something new. And then of course you're feeling the overwhelm because you were already stretched to your max. And so as you're making that transition, you are going to have to slowly let go of clients. Um, and so you can still keep a couple, right? Because that's going to make you feel the security as you're trying something new. But let's say you're working with four to six clients. Like you're going to have to probably drop two of those clients and just keep four. Or if you have four clients, and just keep three to free up a little bit of space to really get this new leveraged model off the ground. But doing so is going to cause that revenue dip because as you're getting that leveraged model off the ground, you're not all of a sudden, I don't care what the gurus say, you're not all of a sudden going to have 60 people register the first time you launch to replace right. and offset that income from that client. So you do need to have a little bit of that reserve so that you can launch it, beta launch it, and then launch it a second time and then actually get you know, the ball rolling and the people coming in and, and switch fully to a leveraged bottle. For those of you who are in the midst of it and are already going, oh my goodness, yep, I did that. And I did not drop the clients. My suggestion is to really start to see which client you could let go of. And it, depending on your personality, I like to let go of the client that is taking up most of my emotional bandwidth. Because for me, that carries over into my personal life that carries over into so many other areas. And it also detracts me from being able to focus 
on my tasks. So I like to start there. Other people will drop the lowest paying retainer client. Yes. And, you know, once you do that, then you can start to create your space. So, I mean, it's up to your personality. There's no right or wrong way, but I like to, the one that is, you know, on Voxer all the time or sending me a million Slack messages or, you know, catching me on all the different channels. They're the person I like to let go of first, because then all of that emotional piece drops away and I can now focus on this, this new model. Um, and if you want, Jamie, do you want me to talk about how you decide which model is good for you? Or yes, do you think that yes, would be beneficial please. to your listeners? Yeah, okay. definitely. So this is the other piece, right? Is we start off a lot of us doing one-to-one, one-to-one coaching, one-to-one copywriting, right? Like if you're, you have deliverables with clients and then you're trying to think, how would I best switch to a leveraged model? And there's so many out there. There's, and I mean, you know, when you're in the online space and you're familiar with the launch model, everybody's launching something each quarter. And so, you know, you, you see these things for, oh, courses, courses are the way to go. You can have DIY courses. You can have hybrid courses where you have a little bit of coaching. They're the best way to go. Um, then you hear, no, actually membership is the best way to go because you've got recurring revenue. You don't necessarily have to have a launch model. And, um, and then there's like other people saying, no, you need to do high ticket group coaching, high ticket sales is where it's at. And, you can get so caught up in trying to figure out which of these models is best going forward that it can be really kind of all start to blend together in your mind. So what I recommend people look at is why is it you want to switch to the leveraged model? What is it you're, you're hoping to do? And what is the way that you love to work with people? So for example, when I was switching out of retainer work and into a different business model, I originally had the idea I was going to do a membership model. So I was going to six figure mark with a membership. And then I started to think, well, what I love most about what I do with my clients is actually getting on calls with them and going deep and fixing a problem for them. Like I love when they walk away from a session with like something solved and they're like, oh my gosh, thank goodness that is dealt with in a membership model. That is harder to do because that model relies on volume right? For a membership model to be really successful and transformative, you're looking at a volume, a high amount of people at a lower price point. Well, with a membership model, I wouldn't be able to go deep with a lot of those people. I would, you know, even if I have some call time with them and have some hot seat time with them, 10 or 15 minutes on a hot seat, isn't going to fulfill what I want to do with my clients. And so even though it's a fantastic business model and it can generate hundreds of thousands a year, it's not the right model for me because I won't be happy in that model. I won't, you know, two or three years down the road, I'll be thinking, oh my goodness, this is the business I built. I I feel no fulfillment from it. And so you have to really think about not only what's going to serve your audience, because I think your audience can be served in a number of ways, but what is going to be the most fulfilling aspect for you um, when you're doing that? And so for a lot of people that, you know, you make the decision, do you want to be hands-off? Courses are for you, right? DIY your courses, you launch, you let people go through them. You have some Facebook group support, but if you really love that connection, then that might not be the right model for you. Right. And I can totally agree with that. Uh, for those of you who've listened to the podcast for a while, you know, a few months ago, well, yeah, probably about, uh, well, hmm, try to think whether this will come out. It'll probably be almost a year ago. Um, I launched the growing your team membership because that was like a lot of things like people are saying, like do this membership model, this one to many. Some of my audience was telling me I want it. So my audience jumped right in when we were doing it, but I ended up stopping it for a few reasons. And 
some of it was, I felt like people weren't actually using the membership the way that, that I thought they would use it. So I felt like I was taking people's money and they weren't getting value from it, the value that they should be. And I was like, that's not how, like, I'm not operating a business just to take your money. So I was just like, I need to relook at things. But the other thing was, I didn't feel like I was impacting my clients the way that I wanted to impact my clients through it. That it, I was like, I, I don't want that. I want the more one-to-one and figuring out how to continue growing my business in that one-to-one space where my clients are really getting the help and advice that they need. And we're digging into their specifics and their specific positions and what makes their position and their company different so they can attract the right one. And I was like, I don't feel like I can do the same thing on a one-to-many model. So then it was like, okay, go back to one-to-one, focusing on that and figure out how to grow a business to to the size I want that way versus trying to do something that just didn't feel like me. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, that's why, so when I realized that that wasn't the route I wanted to go. I, at the same time, Jamie, I was thinking, okay, what can I do? And so that's when I really moved into the VIP day model, because that allows me to go deep for a full day, have a people. But then on the back end of that, I thought, okay, not, this isn't going to be right for everybody, right? The financial investment for a VIP day isn't going to fit everybody's budget. So what can I do to kind of really support people in another way? And that's why I did, when I decided to do quarterly group planning workshops, but I capped them at 35 people. So this Mm -hmm. is not like, again, a quantity game. This is, I cap it because I'm going to be putting people into breakout rooms and we're going to be actually going in and, and, answering questions and getting things done in terms of quarterly planning. And so there is a way to kind of mix some of these things to see if you do want to have more of a leveraged model, you could do a quarterly workshop or a, you know, every other month kind of workshop with a capped number of people. So that it is more leveraged. So again, each model will work depending on where your audience is. Some people have audiences that are more at that beginner point and the lower price point is what they need at that particular time versus other people where their people need more one-on-one, right? And if your business is growing, you know exactly what I'm talking about. When you first started, courses were great. They gave you the curated knowledge. You didn't have to search Google, all of that kind of stuff. They were awesome. Like I felt like I hit the jackpot every time I got a really great course. And then now where I'm out of my business, I'm like, I'm just not interested in that because I want the coaching support with that. Like, I don't want the content. I want the coaching. And so same thing, you guys have to know where your audience is at. Are they going to want content because they're more in that beginner space or are they going to want the coaching support and really kind of look at which model is going to get the biggest impact for your audience and which one you're going to love, right? Like that's the thing. If you don't want to get on the phone and talk to people, don't build a group coaching program. Right. Yes. And it's, it's kind of funny in a way, cause like you say, you really enjoy these VIP days and I enjoy the one-on-one services, which to some people would, they'd probably find that mind boggling. Cause we both said we're introverts, but we would rather have that like one-on-one conversation versus that, that one-to-many like type thing. in those like bigger programs. Now, of course you're doing your, your quarterly groups. Um, but still it's just like, it's people would probably think that was the complete opposite. It was an introvert. You'd probably much be rather selling the courses and the ones where you didn't actually have to talk to your customers. Right. Right. And, but I mean, that's just one facet of our personalities too. Right. And there's, there's so much more that kind of goes into that, but introverts, 
people kind of misconstrue introversion, right? Introverts do like people. It's not that they don't like people. It's just that they get their energy from having that downtime. So when I run a group workshop, I run them on Fridays for a couple of reasons. First of all, it's a night people can usually carve out the time on Fridays because their weeks are front loaded with client work. But also then I have Saturday and Sunday where I'm home and I don't have to like do anything. Well, I have kids, so I always have to do something, but (laughs) you know, like I don't have to be on, we'll just say. And so I can rest and recharge and whatever, but you know, and that's also why I keep my workshops small because then I can get to know everybody in that workshop. And again, like have that connection versus being on like a webinar style event where you've got a hundred people and you're not going to actually get to know any of them. Right. So before we start wrapping up today, let's circle back to the very beginning. We were talking about a lot of, you know, kind of figuring out your processes, figuring out your systems. Talk to me about, or how your processes and systems have to continually change as your team grows? That's an excellent question. Okay. So as your, as your business is growing, I mean, we talked about, you know, you can eliminate certain things you haven't been doing before, but for example, like Jamie, you could have a podcast editor, or you could have a social media manager that then comes in and takes the the podcast content and repurposes that as well. Right. And so as your team grows, some of the processes for how you create your content are going to have to shift as well, because again, we talked about the fact that a lot of things you do, you do unconsciously. And so you wouldn't necessarily think that when I upload this, I have to click this button, add this tag and put this category in there because you're, you're just automatically doing it yourself. But as your uh, team grows, you're going to need to document those kinds of things so that when you pass it off to somebody else to do that content management, they're categorizing and clicking and, and your backend stays in place. And so one of the things I suggest to people is to just do a loom video of you going through it and just narrate it out loud as if you're talking to yourself or explaining it to someone else and just say like you click here and then this goes here. And this is why I need this tagged like this for this reason, or this will increase our SEO. So I need this light to turn green down here. So if it's not green, you go up here and you play with this particular piece until that turns green. Those are the kinds of things we forget about in our SOPs. We say, add the tag, apply the title, make sure this is heading one, And then that's it. But we don't say like, you have to play around with this until this little light turns green or, you know, this needs to happen for that to shift. And so these become really important things as you're growing your team, what it is that you need to do. And then let's say you go from having one VA to having a content manager who's now going to take that and splice it up. Again, your your process needs to change because now you've got more than one hand in the pot, right? And you need to know who's doing what, what are the order of the things that are going to happen, what can happen simultaneously so that different team members can be working on different things at the same time. How are you going to set deadlines? How are you going to track who, you know, gets notified when this task is done so that the next person can kind of take the ball and run with it? And that's why I love, love, love ClickUp. Um, Or if you don't use ClickUp, another project management system where you can go through and you can start to document those things because what used to all be done by one person is now going to be done by many different people as your team grows. And so you need to be able to assign those different pieces to different, different team members and know that it's getting done. Yes. I love ClickUp and I'm glad you mentioned that because I was thinking in my head, I'm going to ask you which one's your favorite other project management tool. So you beat me to it. Yeah. ClickUp is definitely my favorite, but one of the things I will say is like when you're looking for tools and you probably have a few others that maybe you can suggest is 
figure out what you need and then find the tool that does it. Because I know a lot of people will before would suggest Trello. And I would always be like, Trello just doesn't do it for me. I can't do it. I know other people like manage things very well. And for me, I'm like, I just, I just can't. So when I was like, I need to get something else. What do I do when Trello is not working for me? I made a list of like, what do I, what do I want this, this tool to do the functionality that it's going to have, and then be in the budget for a small business. And then went and researched ones and came across ClickUp and I love it. And I like live in ClickUp like every day now. And for there are a lot of things that I live in ClickUp for, it is still just me doing it. They're not things I outsource or not things I'm helping, having people help me with, but it's a way for even myself to keep organized in a way that I'm starting to prepare. What's this going to look like when I eventually hand this off to someone? So everything's recorded in there. I have the steps and figuring things out. But one of the other things that you're talking about is like when you're talking about like doing the Loom video and figuring all that out, there were things that for like this podcast in particular that I'm starting to outsource the editing of. And I had to figure out, okay, well, what is that? What does that really mean? And for some things like, okay, maybe eventually I'll have the person who's doing like the editing and posting my podcast, figure out what the title of the episode is going to be. Well, for now, I know I need to figure, I'm going to still control what the title is going to be until I'm a, till I'm willing to hand that off to somebody else. But it also means instead of waiting until I'm posting it, I now have to create the correct, excuse me, create the title earlier the things that I'm going to do. I have to get them done earlier in the process. So that way I can hand it off versus before when I was doing all the, all the editing, that'd be one of the last things I would do. I'd edit everything. Then it's like, okay, what do I name it? And sometimes you just have to change things up based on the fact that you need to get people the information they need when they need it. Yes, absolutely. Um, And another big thing is graphics, right? So many of us create the social graphics or the social content at the very end. But if you're going to have someone, let's say you're doing video and you are hiring a video editor and they need to drop graphics in or a card into the middle of your video screen and, you know, the intro screen and the thumbnail, like all of those would need to be created and passed off to that video editor. Um, So whether you have another team member doing that or yourself doing that, again, you have to know the title, you have to know the subtitle, you have to know the call to action, you have to know like all of the things so that you can pass all of that off to the video editor to start popping in, you know, all the things they slide in from all the different places. Right. Yep. It's a lot to think about. And it's, but it's stuff that circling back, you think about it, you're able to hand things off. You're able to scale your business because you're getting things off your plates instead of just piling everything on and feeling that weight of doing everything yourself. Yeah. And, and no to like, you don't have to have it perfect the first time you pass it off, right? Just know that there is going to be an adjustment period between you and that person that you've brought on. But if you have a system to give them, you've got a starting point. And then the two of you can work together to tweak that system to, to maximize its efficiency for the best way for you guys to work together, right? So every person is different and everyone has a different communication style and all that kind of stuff. And so if you've got a starting process, then you have a place to, to go with that person. And then you guys can together create a better process. Right. And it's a lot of people will ask me, like, what's my best advice for someone who's managing or outsourcing for the first time? And I always say, go into the relationship being open and honest that 
you're probably going to screw up and you're not going to get everything right the first time that this is a, that this is a learning process for you too. So that person needs to tell you when things aren't working right. And then you need to be willing to say, you know what? I realized I didn't give you everything that you needed. Let me, let me fix this. Now, let me give you everything that you need so you could do it better the next time. And chances are, even though once again, you thought you gave them everything, there's going to be something that you're missing and being open and honest. Hold on. I screwed up again. Like I am yeah. learning and letting them know I am learning. I am learning how to function in this relationship. Help me give me feedback so we can grow it to a good relationship together. Yeah. I, I love that advice. And the other thing too, is recognizing that you've hired them particularly for a, a skill set that they have. And so listening to their feedback can be challenging as the business owner, especially when it's your baby, but you have to trust that you hired them for their expertise back because what it is they're telling you it probably, you know, has a great amount of value to it because they've been doing this. This is their area of expertise, their skill set. And so being open to that feedback and listening is, is a good part too. Yes. Well, Kristen, I feel like we could talk all day about this, but it's time to wrap everything up. So tell everybody how they can get in touch with you. So the primary platform I am on is Instagram. Um, I don't know how to do all of the things. I am hiring somebody to help me with that. But what I do love about Instagram and that I'm not giving over to anybody else is the DMs. I love it when people DM me, especially the audio messages, because I love hearing your voice. Um, everything is so digital nowadays that I just love getting those little personalized voice memos from people. So feel free to hop over on Instagram. If you have a question about anything we've talked about today or a little golden nugget that you got from today's episode, shoot me an audio message over there. Um, I love to hear what your biggest takeaway was. Um, and then the second place you could find me is on my website. And so I will give a link to Jamie, but I have a focus framework over there, which is really, really helpful in multiple ways, but it, you pre-select where you are in the phase. So rather than getting a whole bunch of information <laughs> that you're not going to need, or that you're going to have to sift through, uh, I've broken it down into your level. So you're either startup, you're in that, you know, that kind of that grind phase, maybe you're still side hustling, you're in a growth phase, or you are scaling to a million. And so you self-select which of those categories you're in, and you get a personalized PDF that tells you what you need to focus on for that area of business growth. So we talk about two, you get a couple points for strategy, what you should be looking at for strategy, what you should be looking at for structuring in terms of your team, what you should be looking at in terms of systems, right? Where you might need to be making some adjustments in your systems. And then what level of support um, you might be considering at this phase of growth to move into the next one. And so you kind of get a couple of bullet points that you can take away and run with them um, to really see your business move to that next level. Awesome. All right. And to wrap us up today, we've all had leaders or managers that have stood out to us. Think of the most impactful leader or manager that you have had. And can you share with us what made them stand out as a great leader to you? So that would probably be the last manager I had before I left corporate. Um, and one of the things I loved about the way she ran the team was that she ran it as a team. And so she really valued the input of all of the members on a team. And so every morning we had a morning scrum and everybody had to go around and talk about what they had throughout their day. And we would shift things around so that nobody was overloaded. But then occasionally she would just kind of say, Hey, I've got this project. I would like you 
to kind of just take point on it and come back with your ideas to me, which I thought was amazing because prior to that, I just had managers that just always told me what to do and what I had to do and how I had to do it. And I love that they gave the space and the room for that growth um, because often your team members have so much more potential than you've originally seen in them. And when you give them that space to show you what they're capable of, um, they, they love working with you. The, the relationship is better. And so that manager did that for me. She allowed me to kind of show her some of the other things I was capable of that were beyond what I was doing in my day-to-day. Um, and I thought that was really great. Awesome. Well, thank you, Kristen, for sharing everything today. And thank you for coming on the Growing Your Team podcast. Yes. Well, thank you so much for having me. And that wraps up this episode of the Growing Your Team podcast. Did you enjoy this episode? If so, and you have not done so yet, please subscribe to the Growing Your Team podcast so you can stay up to date on all the latest episodes and hear all the greatest tips from our guest experts on how you can grow your team so you can scale your business. And if you haven't done so yet, please consider leaving us a review. I would love to hear what you think of the podcast and your review will help other people decide if this is the right podcast for them. So once again, thank you for listening and be sure to subscribe and leave us a review. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Growing Your Team with your host, Jamie Van Kite. Be sure to subscribe and head on over to growingyourteam.com to connect, access the show notes, and discover more ways to hire and leverage your perfect fit team.